Hi everyone and welcome to the Positive Endless podcast channel and I hope that everyone is doing really well today. So today's podcast episode is a little bit different because I don't just have one guest, I have two. So I have Katie Ford with me and Heidi Wilson. So in this episode we're actually going to be talking about something a bit different on the channel. Um, We're going to be talking about grief, like the common misconceptions around it, things that can help us through grieving and how we can best support people or get support ourselves if we need to. I just want to highlight a potential trigger warning for anyone out there listening, just because it's quite a raw, real, sort of authentic episode that we're going to be uh, talking about today and something that is close to all of our hearts. So we really hope this can help as many people as we possibly can here listening today. So firstly, I think my guest needs to uh, introduce themselves. So, Katie, would you like to start first? Of course. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Ellie. And just like we said, this is a topic that's so close to our hearts. My name is Katie Ford. I graduated as a veterinary surgeon coming up for 11 years ago now. Many of you will know me on Instagram as Katie Ford Vet. I diversified a few years ago from clinical practice to running a number of my own businesses, working as a coach, vet you, vet empowered, currently doing a master's degree in emotional well-being and just really passionate about reminding professionals of their value. And this is a really special episode to me as well, because both of you who are guests aren't, well, obviously Ellie, you're the host, um, but Heidi, you're both very close friends of mine and uh, very special to me. Lovely. Heidi, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, so I'm Heidi and I am currently studying veterinary science at Liverpool. I'm a second year student, so very early on, still got many years to go. I also work at a dairy farm, so often found outside, loving life with cows and goats. And I'm mad for CrossFit, so not on the farm, not studying. I am found in the gym, so me and Ellie have that one thing in common as well. And yes, being able to open a space and talk about this is so important because I don't want any other vet student to feel as isolated as I did. So thank you, Ellie, for having me on here because we're going to start some very important conversations. Yes, so very excited today to talk to both of you about this. So because this episode is so special to us, I thought this is a really good time for us to hold space here, uh, make it our little safe space where you know, we talk about the people that we have lost and we can also honour them. So I don't know who wants to go first. Maybe Katie, do you want to go first about talking about your special person? Yeah, absolutely, Ellie. And I think this is such a, a lovely thing to do. So I'll be talking about having lost my dad. My dad was called Jay Ford. He was a builder and he supported me through so much of my life, cheered me on. We did have quite a complex relationship through my life, as many of us do, especially when we lose people, we come back and we we realise that as we look back. But I lost my dad very suddenly in 2021, just after London Vet Show. And uh, yeah, I, I miss him every day. And he was really impactful in my life. Heidi? Yeah, so my special person's also my dad, Paul Wilson, best man ever. It was me and him against the world. And I also lost my dad very suddenly in 2021, um, within a matter of a few weeks from healthy to not being here. So it has been a massive change in my life, navigating life without the person who was my anchor, my cheerleader, um, but I still think it's me and dad against the world. So here I am getting through things still with him. Mm. Beautiful. And my special person is my nana. Um, I lost her in October 2019. So it's about three and a bit years now. Um, and it still quite doesn't feel real. Um, she was a very important person in my life from the very from the very get-go she had me from a very young age um and we just bonded we we bonded like no other relationship I can ever you know see in anybody else um just the purity of how we were our friendship um yeah she was just a a great person to me sorry I'm getting emotional already 
Oh, I love that, Ellie. And I think this just shows anyone that's listening, like how much it does still affect each and every one of us. And I think it's a great thing that we're talking about this openly because I know we're not the only ones. There are so many people out there that feel alone with this. So hopefully anyone listening, you feel a, a, a li- little bit less isolated. Yeah, exactly. I feel like you you are alone in your journey with grief because every grief is different to everyone. And I just kind of want to make this podcast our little space to say like you aren't alone in that you know we kind of know we've gone through the cycle of it we've gone through the motions all the emotions of it so you're not alone in that and that you you have my heart we all have your hearts to everyone who's listening we we get it so yeah so that that's really the point of the podcast today so moving on how supported would you say that you felt when you lost one of your loved ones Katie do you want to go first yeah absolutely you know reflecting on that the first few weeks I felt incredibly grateful to be kind of and this will sound like a really cheesy phrase but I felt really like held in love like there were so many kind people around me especially within the veterinary profession I got a lot of contacts there a lot of people knew what happened I got lovely care packages sent to me. People took my work off me. You know, my business partners were incredible. But then probably weeks after, when the main events have finished, when the week's finished, when the funeral's over, everybody forgets. And at that point, you feel very alone in that, even in in your own environment, because actually time goes by. But sometimes the time for me when it felt the hardest was the time when without them meaning to everybody around me are kind of forgotten in a way you know I I read a quote on Instagram that said everyone got off the grief train at the first stop and that's kind of how it felt for me like I was very grateful because you guys especially on this call understood and were there and were checking in and nothing against any of my other support systems but it's so easy for people to forget so I'd say at first really supported after a few weeks kind of on my own Mm. See, I felt very similar to that. I mean, I didn't get a lot of support from the beginning, if I'm being completely honest. Um, sort of the first few days, it was, are you okay? And the obvious answer is no. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you have the funeral, everything like that. It's all up in the air. And then you don't really hear very much after that, which is which is quite a sad part of it, really. Um, but then I feel that as time's gone on, I say I get support in different ways and I get support off the people that I think have been through it like you guys and from close friends that have seen me go from being quite a fun quite a happy outgoing person to them becoming quite a muted version of that almost Mm -hmm. like I always say I felt like a ghost you know I'm starting to feel much better now um but I feel like for a very long time I felt like a ghost especially Mm. how we had um COVID and lockdown happen a few months after losing her so I was already feeling isolated before you know the actual isolation that we had to go through so that was quite a hard time um but otherwise yeah I feel like I get support off the people but I have to be very selective who I choose to talk to about it um Heidi what do you think I'd say I had a very different experience in the fact that I was preparing to go to university to start vet school. I'd already deferred my entry, so I was adamant that I was going to go. And that was a few weeks after. So Katie actually took me to go to Liverpool Mm. because I didn't have that support to be able to do that at the time. And so there were individuals in my life that were so incredibly supportive, CrossFit, the community, the gym, having that outlet. My dad built me a gym outside the Garden of Gains. So when I couldn't face leaving the house, I had that outlet and I had the connection over Instagram with other CrossFitters and I had a sense of belonging. But moving to university, I knew that I needed more support. And when I started to ask the questions of what do you offer to bereaved vet students, I felt that my professional capability was 
then being put into question in the fact that I would need to suspend or I would need to have time out and the idea of getting over it and the idea of that it was an illness or that I was broken and I had to go and fix it and it was baggage and I went into vet school thinking I'm carrying something that no one else is carrying so I'd go into the lecture theatre so overwhelmed there'd be the triggers here and there going to text my dad once to tell him how everything was and thinking is anyone else experiencing this? And I'd get frustrated if people made small complaints about the things or jokes about the people. And I'd want to just fall apart and say, my dad is dead. My dad died about two weeks. I just carried his body whilst you were all having welcome week. So when people would say, how was welcome week? I was like, oh, it was okay. They didn't know that I had my dad's funeral because I felt like I had to, I was ashamed of it. Like I was ashamed that my dad had died, sorry, <laughs> and not feeling accepted. That was really, really hard. Because when you move to university, you need that stability and the understanding that often university could be a really good place for someone who's going through a loss because you have a potential community there and a potential really great support network but I think when that isn't there and that's what you're asking for and that's what you need because everybody needs that connection it can be I think that has been so damaging at the start of my own process and I call it a process because it's lifelong so I was very adamant no I'm not going to go suspend I'm not going to get over it and yeah I think what keeps me going and what keeps me strong is knowing it's always like me and my dad against the world and so it's always me and my dad. So at vet school, I've got my necklace with his ashes in. So through exams, I knew he was with me. And I think when you remove the expectation of other people, that other people are going to say the right things or they're going to offer support and knowing they might not have the reaction that's going to be so comforting or helpful. But as you both said, we found each other and it strengthened our friendships and if we're able to have the space and able to talk, we can connect with other people and know that we're not alone and be seen and heard, then yeah. Yeah. Katie, did you want to just say something then? Yeah, I was just going to add in more. First of all, thank you, Heidi, for sharing so beautifully and authentically there as well. And I think anyone listening will certainly like hear the emotion as we're, we're all speaking here. And I was just going to add in like support system wise as well not forgetting like our external like professional levels of support which is finding the ways for that to work for us so I didn't add in when I was sharing but I've seen a grief counsellor and I know certainly at various points I'm sure we'll share who we've had as well in that network too but actually having somebody that does hold that space and lets you talk about it is invaluable uh, because like you've said like Heidi you said there a lot of people that don't know what to say sometimes they say inadvertently the the wrong thing sometimes they say things that just aren't thought through at all and maybe this podcast is something that's going to help people just being like oh actually you know what maybe there's a different way that I could approach my friend or like you said at the beginning Ellie we've all got a different grief journey and we're all sharing little bits of hours here but maybe it might just spark something that that might make you feel a, a little bit less alone in having the space held or or feeling all of the feelings and um yeah the, the final bit that I was just going to add in and it's a quote that I always remember from some Megan Divine book I think it's called it's okay not to be okay all about grief where it says like grief is not a problem to be solved but it's a mystery to be honored and I think that really surmised it quite well like you said Heidi it's not that we're ill and you need to have like a fixture to it it's like you're navigating it in your way and finding the things that help you with it and try not to feel ashamed where we can for the way that we're experiencing it which is going to be different from everyone yeah something that resonated with me Heidi what you just said was the expectations because I think before you lose someone you think that you're going to have this huge network around you all this love all this support and it's not always necessarily the case um, like we were saying at the very start where you know at first people are concerned and then it kind of drops off from there and I think you know I definitely had high a lot higher expectations than I should have done of people that I thought 
were very close friends that I've since realised aren't because um, I remember going out a few months, just under a few months after Nana had passed. I went out with one of my friends. Um, I won't say any names, obviously. Um, and we went to the pub because I really needed a bit of a pick-me-up, not seeing my friend for a while, thought it'd be nice. And we sat down and said, how have you been? She went, yeah, yeah, I'm good. How are you? And I just kind of looked at her and I said, no, not really. I'm not really good at all. And she said, why? And it, like I said, it had only been a few months and I, I couldn't believe the response. And she says, oh, are you still upset about that? Not upset about Nana, not upset because I've just lost my best friend in the whole wide world. That. And that was something that was very hard for me to process, I guess. And I think that's where I started to see the expectations. Suddenly, they, they, they were falling, if that makes sense. Um, and then, you know, months went on. And, you know, within sort of the year, it's still quite, you know, a raw time. Well, there's no time frame on on it at all at all and, and there's no right there's no wrong you know and um I just felt a lot of people that I thought knew me better was saying oh are you still getting overwhelmed about this are you still talking about this and I think that's when I realized that you have to be so selective who you talk to because it will make you feel worse if you have got that expectation that everyone is going to be as understanding you know it's also thinking that not everybody has gone through this sort of thing and I know my partner he's never lost anyone anyone I mean it's very fortunate you know um but you know even he struggles to understand and I think unless you've really been through it and lost someone close like we have it it's probably hard for people to understand if that makes yeah. sense I think that makes total sense, Ellie. And I think a really interesting point for us to bring in there as well is that every loss is different. So I found one of the things is people may have lost someone in their lives and it all depends on the relationship. It's, and I'm trying to find the best way to phrase this, it's easy in this world for people to decide that because someone was old, that it was expected and therefore it will be something that we knew was coming and we were going to get over more quickly. Or we assume that because it's someone that is on paper a close relative like how do we define close people try and do it but actually it's down to the individual relationship that that would have been a much harder loss or you'd be feeling a certain way so I found that people felt that because they'd lost somebody that they grieved and they they kind of it it passed for them and wasn't popping up as often that they understood the exact way that I was grieving and again this is totally without judgment it's an observation but just to say that sometimes when somebody says for example I've lost my dad and they go oh yeah I, I lost my nan and um yeah I was sad for a bit too it's almost removing that and saying you know what whoever that relationship was if that's your nan your next door neighbor your best friend your dad your uncle your um I don't know, the, the lady that you see every day on the street walking the dog, they're all going to affect you in different ways. And it doesn't mean that one type of grief is lesser because it's a certain relative over another or someone was older. Yeah, yeah, I yeah that's good. Heidi, what would you like to say, lovely? Yeah, I, say I think it's so important because I even faced the fact that, well, a few things really, first of all, being quite young, people's response to my dad has died is, how old was he? as if that was an appropriate question to ask and mm -hmm. I'm in a bit I was in a really difficult situation of the fact that I lost my dad to Covid so I felt and I think a lot of people who've lost people have felt even more the removal of the space to be able to grieve because everybody has had an opinion I mean when I went to university you go to the bathroom you shut the door and the first thing you see is a big poster and it just makes it really difficult to be able to, I guess, process it in your own way. Um, and the second is the fact that it was my dad. 
there can often be this assumption that as a woman, the stronger relationship would be with my mum and being able to manage what people's expectations are. That that makes total sense, Heidi. And I think, you know, reflecting and sort of sharing from my experience on a, a similar thread is as well, I have had a year since I lost my dad now. And I went to grief counselling probably the last few months because Again, and this is as somebody that's doing a master's in emotional well-being, has a certificate in various types of coaching modalities, you know, let's re reduce that stigma of thinking that, oh, well, you know what, I should sort this out myself. And I'd gone about nine months and thought, you know, I, I really want more space to just sit down and discuss this with somebody and someone that's not going to judge me or try and fix me because I think that's a role that a lot of people do because you know the kind and caring they want to take your pain away they want to give you a solution they want to fix things for you it was valuable but I also realized that for those first few months I'd kind of been grieving the societal um, expectation of losing a parent because everyone kind of has this relationship that well this expectation that losing a, a parent is how it is to them and I actually realized through the counseling process and through actually to be honest just sitting and giving myself the space that I had quite a complicated relationship with my dad so the the first thing was the first few months I was very much grieving as Heidi was saying people have a societal expectation of who that person should have been to you and how you should have been affected by it mm. oh my gosh you've lost your dad that's horrendous you must be so sad all the time I was experiencing a lot of different emotions as we do with grief and started to realize, and I won't go into it in too much detail, but my dad was quite impactful to me in many ways as I was growing up, in quite difficult ways that shaped a lot of the maybe coping mechanisms I'd had further down the line in life. And I forgive him totally of those things and understand them differently. But I think it's just taking off that expectation, as Heidi was saying, of, oh, my gosh, you've lost this person. Therefore, you must be affected in this way. Like you said, oh, well, you'll be more affected by losing your mum because there's this like, um, woman to woman bond as it were than you would be if you'd lost your dad so I think for anybody listening and anyone that's experiencing it like let's just take those expectations off of like it's about each individual relationship and feeling what you need to feel and having the support that you need with it and let's not judge how somebody else must feel based on our experiences too no no completely I love that um and it was similar with me people the first thing that was asked for me was how old was she and I'd say yeah she was uh she was 95 and the most common thing was oh well what did you expect from that she, she must have had a good life then you know well actually no she she had quite a poor upbringing a rather poor upbringing I think she was one of 15 I think um or a very large family from what I remember I don't think all her siblings did survive either, like, you know, to, for old for old ages at all. Um, you know, and I think she lived worrying about money a lot um, and things like that, really. So, I mean, I think she did have a lovely life. Um, I mean, what, whatever she's put on to me, it, you know, it definitely, you know, shows because she lit up the room wherever she went. She was one of those amazing people um absolutely hilarious so I think that's where I uh, <laughs> get my uh, humor from definitely um but yeah that that was one of the hardest things was kind of you know what what did you expect but for me I had a lot more to give I had a lot more love to give and we had more things to do and the last time I saw her I said you know, ne next time I see you, let let's go to the pub. I'll buy you some food. Go to the pub. Next time never happened, and and that breaks my heart every day. Is knowing that. Oh, that so gets me, Ellie. Because I, I totally hear you. I know I sat with this really strange narrative that I didn't even know I was listening to for years. Kind of putting life on hold, waiting for me to kind of go back to my parents' house and walk through the door with all these incredible things that had happened. And that kind of got taken away. And, you know, the, the real irony was 
and again, like I've just shared little bits of this because there were some like my dad loved me to pieces, right? And it's probably not the podcast to go into it, but it was quite complicated. And I didn't tell my dad a huge amount about my life. You know, I'm here with nearly 15,000 Instagram followers, having been keynote speaker at a number of the UK veterinary conferences, having books, helping thousands of people. And I never told him about any of it because I was waiting for something. Like he peripherally knew little bits via my mum. And again, that's a whole complicated thing to go into. And I did tell him when he was on a ventilator and I went and said it to him, but you know what, it's just, yeah, you do feel so short-changed, especially when it's so sudden, there was so much more, and I'm sure, Heidi, I'd love to know if you resonate with that as well. Yeah, absolutely, and sometimes it is the smallest of things, which I think generally doesn't have much understanding from other people, you know, it's the tiny things that you go and text, or that you go and phone, and it can really catch you off guard, and sometimes those can be the most emotional moments. Because I think in the lead up to big things that other people might say and offer some support, it can actually be okay. Because I don't know how things are going to affect me, how my birthday, because sometimes it's a tiny moment on placement. And I remember just sitting in the lambing shed and sobbing my eyes out one evening because I was about to send my dad a photo and realised that I couldn't. And it can be so difficult thinking about really good times and memories and things that I want to do with my life because you want to share it with your person you want to for them to be there I want my dad to be there on graduation because he's the person who supported me and got me into vet school and did everything he could work so hard to financially support me and yeah I think that's also why grief is a lifelong thing and to really really reinforce the fact that it doesn't have to be the really big occasions and Christmas it sometimes we just wish we could have one more conversation with them about the most basic thing I so resonate with that Heidi and even a song or something comes on like the number of times I've sat in Tesco car park with Lewis Capaldi on with tears streaming down my face and I think one of the things we're all passionate about is kind of opening up those conversations and normalizing in a way those moments as part of this mystery of grief that they're going to happen that's why sometimes I'll pop it on my stories and be like look there's loads of cool stuff happening in my life right now but I'm still sat here in Tesco in the car park in tears because before you go has come on and I'm like oh like you just have this moment of realization like you said Heidi like what I do to have just another conscious, aware, present conversation with my dad. Sometimes I just want a hug. If I could Mm. have anything over anything in my life, it would be one more hug for my dad. (laughs) So if someone said, what do you want to be able to do in your life? It wouldn't be, I want this degree or this job. All I ask is for a hug from my dad. And I think that really... That's just something that I'd want to share with everybody, knowing that it is my grief and this process is a very large part of my life and who I am going to become. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but I think it's a getting a bit emotional for all of us, isn't it? <laughs> but this is why I want to have this conversation, because it is just so important to have this. And it's funny about the Lewis Capaldi thing because that happened to me. <laughs> exactly the same thing happened to me. And then I even listened to one of his new ones yesterday. And I was just sat there going, oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know, when it's just certain words, certain things, how they say it, and you just go, that's the nail on the head. I, I've always been a music person anyway with, you know, I don't know, I don't know I, I just kind of resonate with music very well and that was kind of a way that I used when I was younger to say how I felt but not not always everyone picked up on that <laughs> um but yeah um yeah we're talking about some very good things here aren't we really um definitely about the hug <laughs> um that struck a little chord then um but yeah that's all all that I wish I could do was just give a big hug 
um and then give her a kiss and her go oh get her off <laughs> <laughs> yeah she didn't like too much fuss Nana didn't she didn't like too much fuss but I gave it a you see <laughs> yeah oh, I love that Eileen I think I don't know if you guys would agree and I kind of wish that more people would talk to me about my dad because it kind of feels like as you're going through the grieving process and everybody has forgotten that you're grieving at that point. And again, I keep saying this is without judgment. Anyone listening that's like, oh my goodness, my friend's grieving and I haven't checked in. I feel like a bad person. We're probably going to talk a little bit more around things that you you can do. But just almost, I always feel like those moments of grief for me, just remembering that love and him being there and that relationship. And I kind of wish that sometimes people would say, I remember when it was your surprise 30th birthday and your dad was just so proud of you and he was there like welcoming you into this surprise birthday party and it was so good to see all the work he'd done on the garden and I just kind of wanted like people to share with me like a memory like let's let's talk about it. Yeah along with that it's kind of like someone said to me before they've gone you know I don't really want to ask you because I don't want to upset you. But the thing is, I'm always upset about it. You know, so, you know, she's always on my mind. And these people that we lose and that we love very much, they're always on our mind. Like, we're always thinking about them. So if you do bring them up, it's actually quite a nice thing for us because it's almost like honouring them. And it's, it's given us that space to, you know, remember them in, in like, like what you were saying, really beautiful ways that can spark these really lovely, joyous memories. Um, you know, sometimes we need that, you know. You know, some some days, you know, my, my dad might mention something about my nana and I, like that, I'll just go, I'll start crying. And I'm like, mm, don't really want to talk about that today. But I would rather have that and feel some sort of emotion then not have anyone bring her up at all like she doesn't exist you know she's still very much in my heart a very big part of my heart still uh, I completely agree Eileen I think that's an interesting point for anyone that's kind of listening as well it's sometimes it's just asking how are you and having prepared time to listen to the answer and kind of cutting off that pressure that we put on ourselves to have to step in and fix things like there's nothing that you're going to say to me that is going to make me feel differently mm-hmm. but that's that's okay it's just nice to have the space held sometimes and trying not to put pressure on people inadvertently again saying I bet you're feeling this way because in grief you can feel every feeling that comes mm-hmm. up at some point I I know that from a personal perspective and I know that from um, like the the reading and the learning that I've done on the grief side of things as well and I don't know if there's been anything for you guys that's been particularly helpful through this process that friends have said or done or uh, the professional support systems or things that have, have kind of been a nice thing where you think I wish I could tell more people in the world that had a friend that was grieving that this could be something I think not to change how you act to somebody Yes, they're grieving, but they're still the person that they were. They're still the person that you created a friendship with. And everything that you would have done prior to the death of their person is probably what they need right now. They don't need to sit down with you and for you to talk about the world with them and to help them. And like you said, Katie, to have this pressure on yourself that you're the one to fix your not even fixed because that's just the massive issue itself because grief is not to be fixed it's to have your place in the process and to be supportive of the process however that looks for your friend and to ask them like if someone turned around to me and said Heidi what can I do for you today that would be the most amazing thing to hear because day by day that completely changes there's been times at university where if friends have noticed that I'm struggling they'll offer to walk with me to a lecture because of the anxiety that would build up. But it's not the fact that I want to necessarily talk about a trigger or something that's really upsetting me, but it's having that support to do something that would provide some routine and normality back in my life. And actually 
being able to go and have coffee or I don't know go to the gym and have a good workout go for a run with somebody it's it's allowing me to still live my life because someone put it so amazingly that it isn't the fact that over time the grief disappears or that time does not heal it's the fact that your life is a box and your grief is a ball and that over time the box gets bigger the ball remains the same side size so that when it does hit the side and that can be whenever and it becomes more sporadic as your box gets bigger that hit is still as hard as it was when your box was so small it it still affects you in the same way I always love that analogy, Heidi. I remember someone actually sending that to me after a few weeks and thinking, you know what, that that just, yeah, that describes it. And now a year on looking back, you so beautifully explained it there. And I don't know if you guys would agree, but I found it useful sometimes if people just checked in and said, look, I don't know what to say. I just want to let you know I'm thinking of you. I'm here for you. I'm here to listen. If there's anything that, like you said, can I help you with anything? There was no like I think some people put a distance and don't know what to say so just don't say anything at all and they do care really deeply they just are so worried about saying the wrong thing and like you said Heidi sometimes people have this pressure that they've got to fix things and it's not a thing that needs to be fixed it's just a meeting as where we're at and still showing up as that friend that's always been part of our life and I'd love to hear like Ellie um, what you found as well adding that into yeah for me I think it was it took a long time but I I was still training at the gym um and then I think I was training a bit too much I think that was more of a distraction for me but now I do it because I want to do it and it feels good but it's like my little sanctuary to go to the gym um you guys probably understand that and you know me very well um that I love the gym I love lifting heavy weights that is me um that's what people know me by um and I think that's my biggest relief is that I have that so what I really struggled with was when it was locked down and the gyms were closed so I was grieving at home furloughed so I had completely no connection or connection to anything that made me feel good um so it was it was an absolute relief when the gyms opened back up again I can tell you that but walks really helped me as well um Sometimes I'll be on a walk and, you know, I'll see a little Robin and that could be my little sign that she's around because she liked Robins very much. She didn't like starlings. Oh God, don't get us started on them. Um, (laughs) She always fed the birds as well. So whenever I see birds and I'm outside in nature, it makes me feel like a little bit of a connection to her. And I think it's important that we honour people in our own little way. And I think it does take a lot of time to know what feels good for us because I didn't know that until very recently that I can go oh I like walking out in nature and seeing the birds because it connects me more to my nana and it makes me have a bit more better headspace and obviously all the other benefits of walking anyway um but that's been really helpful as well and just having you know the right friends to talk to about it as well and I did go to a therapist about it. I did counselling. I went to two different people. Unfortunate for me, it didn't work very well. Everyone will have their own different experiences with, with therapy. Um, you know, you could go to several and you might find that one works really well. The others don't. I mean, I've had enough <laughs> therapy in my life to be able to tell you that. Um, but they did use that analogy about that ball in the box And for me, it was really hard at the time because that didn't make any sense to me because that ball was very, very big and very, very heavy in that box, but the box wasn't getting any bigger. And Mm -hmm. it's only now, maybe the past year, as I've started to know more about myself and know more about grieving, um, you know, and giving myself space to grieve, is now that box getting a little bit bigger. But, you know, some days are harder than others. It's like today I've got really emotional on here and I thought I'd I'd be okay. But it, it's different from day to day. Some days I can I can speak about it to anyone. And 
I can say whatever and I can talk about even the hardest parts you know like the last times I saw her I can talk about that and I'm fine I don't break my voice you know whereas Mm. today I think it's a little bit harder today even though I thought it would be all right but we're here and we're authentic and you know that's the point of us doing that today Uh, yeah there's some of the things that help me um with dealing with it a bit better I think on the counselling note I found it I do have regular counselling and I found it really helpful because I had the same counsellor prior to losing my dad so at least when my world kind of felt so messy my head felt so messy I had that constant support and I've had a really really positive experience with therapy and I think Mm -hmm. that's something important to share and like you say Ellie everybody is different you might have to try different sessions with different kinds of therapy or different counsellors until you really have that connection with somebody but I think when you do find that person and you do have that really good connection with them they can help you so much so yeah that's my experience of counselling and you know what I'd say I found very similar um to you to be honest as well Heidi but I know so many people that have tried one therapist I know Ellie you've just shared your experiences of talking to so many different people and again I think it's breaking down the barriers to try these things and I think from a a practical point of view for people that are listening is that a lot of employers have employee assistance schemes which include a number of counselling sessions these schemes are usually set up that there is like um, an anonymous aspect to the fact that often and you can look into everyone's individual ones check out your own schemes but a lot of them won't tell your employer that you've even rung them because I know a lot of people worry about reaching out for help and support because maybe there are financial concerns maybe they're worried that there's going to be long waiting lists maybe they're concerned that they don't know where to start so just as like a little bit more of a a check-in have a look see if you've got an employee assistance scheme we've got the amazing vet life who can connect you with mental health professionals There's also the BACP, which is um, the British Association of Counsellors and Psychotherapists. They've got a whole list of accredited professionals and just know that they're out there. I mean, certainly I'd say my experience was good. I'm not sure that the counsellor ever needed to say a single word to me because I think for the whole hour, I just like did a big verbal diarrhea. And by the end of it, she was like, goodbye, we've finished now. And that was what I needed in that moment was just actually being a person that spends a lot of time helping people see their value, helping people find rationale behind their belief systems, challenge what they're thinking. It was really useful for me just to be like, right, no, this is my space. This is my time to say whatever I want to say because they're not judging you. They're not saying you shouldn't feel or think like that, which sometimes inadvertently, and we've touched on this already, sometimes people end up saying things that maybe reflect back and we start going, oh my goodness, should I be feeling like this or not? And a big thing that I know all of us would want everyone to take home is we're all different and you're feeling what you're feeling, actually, because there are some phrases that I think get banded around a lot, like Heidi's already said, time is a healer, um, One that someone said very innocently to me, but really did sit with me at the time was everything happens for a reason. I said, there is no good reason why this has happened. Like My dad is dead. I'd I'd far rather, every other reason you could ever think of, I'd far rather have him here. So yeah, just being careful of the things like that too. Heidi. I've got to say that recently, I've become far more comfortable with speaking how I feel that I want to speak. So for example, saying my dad is dead. I would have never said that because I'd be afraid of making other people feel uncomfortable. And that's also why this podcast is so important in the way that we're able to be so open and honest and talk from our heart and talk exactly what is on our mind and of our experiences without thinking that we have got to tiptoe around the reaction of other people. I think that is how we do start to make some changes and normalising the conversations. So, yeah, because there have been many occasions where people talk about their parents at university and I found myself nearly being like, oh, 
my dad is a say he's an electrician and then I stop myself and they're like oh what and I'm like oh no it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because I didn't know how to then turn around to then say but he's actually dead because I often find myself talking about him as though he's alive but he is and he is always going to be alive and our people are always going to be alive and that's just what I want to happen for us to be able to talk about them and to have these spaces and the people that we can connect and because they do live on because they've really shaped us into who we are I wouldn't be who I am without my dad so yeah we we are allowed to talk and yeah oh I really felt that Heidi and I hear you totally on the language thing because I always say, you know, I'm going to my parents' house and for so long I checked myself and I had to change it to I'm going to my mum's house because my dad wasn't there. But then now I'm like, no, it's still my parents' house. Still, it's where I grew up. It's still my parents' house. And just becoming comfortable with that. And sometimes there's times where I'll explain it to people and there's other times where I just say it. I'm like, you know what, to me, still my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And I think they are definitely things that aren't really spoken about, are they? <laughs> um, I think another one for me was like the secondary losses. So, you know, I lost my whole world when I lost Nana. I felt like I lost lost my purpose um, because I was with her every week. Um, I felt like I lost my whole identity. I lost self-esteem. Um, my anxiety got worse when she left you know she was that person that I could go to and I knew that everything would be all right because I'd be able to tell her everything that I needed to you know I'd walk in her house and she'd go what's wrong she knew she knew something wasn't right before the words could even come out of my mouth and I think I held a lot of expectation thinking I could find that in somebody else so I pinned a lot of not responsibility don't know the word exactly but I was looking at my friends and just wishing there was just that little part of her in all these people because it'd make life so much better and so much more easier if I if there was just that bit of a bit of her in everything and I think that was a a difficult expectation for me to manage was that I was looking at people comparing everyone you know that I love now to her but no one will, will ever be like her. And, and I've had to accept that we had something very, very special. And, you know, I will never have that love that I had with her, with anyone else. But yes. that's something that I like to keep, you know, close to me. And, you know, it's very hard, very difficult. I think as well as the expectations, it can do the opposite. So for me, I immediately became, became like quite resentful. No one is like my dad. No one will ever be like my dad because I really hear that relationship that you had. And that was exactly like me and my dad. Just know you so well. Always that person to go to, can talk about anything and now I'm recognizing a very large source of stability in my life so I'm the same I lost a lot of self-belief self-worth questioning kind of what was my purpose no one telling me that I'm good enough can I get through vet school I don't know my dad's not there going oh go on kick ass Heidi so you do lose a lot more than on the surface and that's really quite difficult to understand and I think it'll probably take me a very long time to even begin to see what the impact has been and will be and will continue to be and it's something that I'm always trying to actively work but not forcing that because it's the process yeah and Heidi that's such a, a beautiful and wise share and I, I'm sure I speak for all of us as we're all learning about our own grief as time goes by and um, this is potentially I mean I don't know what everyone that's listening is thinking but realizing that it goes on so much longer than as we were talking about right at the beginning you know the funeral this is all like untangling as as time goes on and I mean for me 
I've said already, I had quite a complicated relationship with my dad and I know the reasons behind that. And actually there was, rather than a loss of purpose for me, there was a lot of guilt, you know, because it, aside from always thinking I was going to rock up on the door someday and have this amazing array of achievements and accolades, which actually when I sit back and consciously, very self-compassionately go, Katie, you've done tons of stuff. I don't know what I was really waiting for, but feeling like I'd not been a good daughter and that I should have done more. And that came for a long time as well for me, which again, it just unearthed so much more than just, and just is like the wrong word as well, but losing someone and not being there there's so many more wide-ranging pieces because they're so interconnected into our lives in so many different ways and I know we touched on like counseling and therapy and things but that really helped me kind of understand that side a little bit more and understand why maybe we'd had that space between us so I hope that for anyone listening again we're showing such a an array of different relationships that we've had with our loved one that we've lost and different emotions that have come up and kind of normalizing for us to feel all the things and for us all to have a different story behind it and actually seeing maybe some of those like roots that are outward there compared to just what we think we've seen someone coping with with grief and experiencing it Mm, definitely um you know for anyone listening who might have a friend or someone that they love very much that is going through a rough time at the moment, they're grieving a lot. What would you guys say is something that they could do to support that person that maybe isn't doing very well? I'd say just keep checking in with low pressure and saying, how are you? I'm here if you need to speak. I know right now might not be the time. I can help you with something if there's anything that I can do for you um or even just say I don't know what to say but I'm here for you and not just doing that in the six weeks or the two weeks or the four weeks after we've lost someone but kind of almost taking that step back and saying you know what it's father's day even if it's been five years it's father's day and that's probably going to be a tricky time for my friend I'm just going to drop in saying thinking of you today let me know if I can do anything for you you don't have to say, I imagine you must be feeling so sad today because let's not make assumptions about how they feel. Just say, I'm here. Just reminding you, I love you. I care for you. What can I do for you? I know you might not want to talk, but is it okay if I do keep checking in and seeing how you're getting on? And that that will probably be the biggest thing that I'd say. I'd love to hear what you two would say. I agree with the no pressure, open questions. And my honest response would be, be there them like you would be for any of your other friends. Don't change that. Because I think the issues come when you start to put the pressure on yourself to do something extra for them. And the person who's grieving, you feel the vibes. You, you feel, you know, when someone feels uncomfortable or when you think they might be actively trying to avoid the subject. So even if you feel uncomfortable, tell, say to them, I don't know what this feels like. I haven't experienced a loss myself. Please help me help you. Because I think that opens up so many conversations and allows the, the person who's grieving to have that space to talk about what they need to speak, like talk about rather than feeling their pressure to talk about something that they might not necessarily want to that day. And I think remove expectations and don't project how you think you would feel onto them. I think it's all about openness. If there's one word, open. Yeah. I'd really quickly just add on to what you said there, Heidi, because it was something I noticed was really helpful for me was when people said on the messages, there's no pressure to reply. Um, and then I think we've had this conversation um, off this call, Heidi, before of so many people are saying so many kind and lovely things or they're getting in touch in that immediate period afterwards. And you've got so much that you're going through at that moment. And it's in one part lovely that you've got all these kind messages of love, but it also feels like a pressure sometimes of I don't want to look like I'm being rude by not replying to all these messages. But at the same time, 
this has a huge physical effect. I'm laid in bed. I don't want to do anything. I, I'm also feeling now guilty because I've got loads of WhatsApp. So when people just added, like, there's no pressure to reply. I just want you to know that I'm here if you want to talk or if you need anything, I'm going to keep checking in on you. Or something like that. I'm sure you, I, I know Ellie, you'll have um, bits to add on, on what you'd say, but I just remembered that from when you were talking, Heidi, the conversation that we'd had and what a difference that kind of made to me on reflection was no pressure to reply. Thank you. Yeah, and I think also something else that we can all do is just listen. Like allow that person to just vent if they want to talk about whatever they need to. I think offloading for me is a really important part in my journey. I think um, at the very beginning, my other half was always trying to almost solve the problem, trying to fix it because he didn't like to see me how I was. You know, it upset him to see me that upset. But it was only when I did say to him, look, I would rather you just listen than trying to come up with a solution because you're not going to be able to bring her back. You're not going to be able to fill this gaping hole that I have. But just by listening can be such a lovely and empowering thing to to be able to do that. So that was a a massive thing for me. Um, So, yeah. And then something else I was going to ask was what's something that you've learned from your grieving? If you could take one lesson away, what what would it be? I know this is probably a really hard question. Um, question. What is one thing that you've you've taken away? Mm. I'll start with one with saying that I value my family in in a different way to how I did before and people that I love a lot and I'm making more conscious effort to spend time with them and I feel like that is the only way I can try and give like a positive aspect if that makes sense um I don't know if that's the right words to use but that feels right to say (laughs) that makes total sense I mean I, I think my biggest lesson is that grief doesn't have a timeline um because I think we've spoken so much already on this call about how it looks different to everyone how there's so many different facets to it how there's so many different feelings that come up and I think having spent time reflecting on last year I was reading little bits I was trying to understand it I was trying to navigate it and you know I'm very aware that the same for all of us we've got sizable followings online I always want to role model I always want to be authentic I always want to be real so I was learning about it without judgment but actually when I reflect back I do think I was putting pressure on myself that it's been six months now it's been three months now it's been nine months now I'd read stats that were saying oh the worst time worst time for your grief is going to be like six months out but actually the reality is that the timeline doesn't exist like it it's not there and I think realizing that as time goes on I'm going to experience it differently but I'm always going to experience it for me now if I do have those moments where I'm crying in Tesco car park over Lewis Capaldi, it's almost like this bit of a, a slightly warmer reminder. There are still times where I'll feel guilt. So, you know, I'll go on my WhatsApp and think, oh, look at all those messages that you didn't reply to. But then other times it is just a, you know what, your dad's still with you. But I think the timeline aspect would be like the, the timeline doesn't exist. It's going to change. You're going to navigate it differently. You're going to go through that process. But like we said already, it's it's not a problem to be fixed. It's mm. something to be to be honoured, to be navigated, and to do what suits you with it too. That would be what my biggest lesson's been. I think for me, there's generally two big things about death and grief. And the first is, again, it's not something to be fixed. But for me, it's not baggage. It's not a negative thing that I'm carrying it can be open you can put it out there and it doesn't make me any less of a person and yes it does have massive negative impacts on my experiences of life and how I navigate a lot of challenges but it doesn't make me any less and it doesn't have to make me any more is also what I'd add to that it doesn't have to come with something it doesn't have to I hate the word resilient it's it's none of that it's not that I'm proving that I'm stronger or that I have to get stronger. 
it's something really shit that's happened. My dad died and I never expected that to happen. Well, it did, but I think that's the second thing of the fact that I've always tried to perfect my life and had everything in order. And yeah, it your world just goes to mush and I didn't know what to do. And I think part of that was because I've always thought that if you plan and you work so incredibly hard and you have your goals out there and you know what you're achieving, then life is safe and life is good. And this happened and I think it had a massive potential had I not worked through it in therapy to make me scared of everything and make me fear the unknown because that's always been a massive issue for me growing up. But I'm not going to say I embrace the unknown. It's that I've become far more neutral to the unknown knowing that regardless of how much work I put in or if my life is mapped out in front of me I don't know what's going to happen and that doesn't have to be something to be a massive source of anxiety of I'm scared of losing other people or life isn't fair it's I don't want to do this without my dad which it got to be honest has been a massive thought of just not wanting to be here which people don't talk about because it can be so hard when you want that person but it also doesn't have to be a positive of oh life doesn't go to plan so let's see how it goes I think for me it's a neutral stance of take each day as it comes as my life has become far more about the short term than it ever was and not placing that expectation it doesn't have to become something beautiful it doesn't have to amount to something of course I want to use my experiences to make for example vet student life more positive for other people who are grieving but that's not me thinking something good has to come out of this that's me not wanting someone to go through the same pain that I did last year and so I think not placing good and bad on everything in every situation and not putting meaning behind everything because everything in life doesn't have to have a meaning so just becoming more accepting of me and my journey and what's going to happen yeah I think that's probably what I love that that really resonated quite a lot definitely um you know for anyone that's listening I always say you know the darkest of nights will end and the sun will come up again you know um but it is taking that you know step each day as it comes that's what I do I just take it as it comes um you know even though it doesn't feel like things will ever feel right again you know, you've got to allow yourself to feel all these things because it's a natural process and we all deal with it differently. And that's okay as well. Definitely. And you know what? I realize that we've been on for a while now, but one of the things that really stuck with me through like the grieving process, and I think I shared this um, in the, I'm sure one of the groups that we're in, but I'd been to a talk back in June last year, which was by this really inspiring like mountain bike um trials rider and he was incredible like he got this story where he'd ended up doing this trick broke his back paraplegic very inspiring guy on the stage saying you know what since they've created this bike for me and my my legs might not work now but I'm still having a good time and it's all brilliant and everyone's kind of there like wow like he's managed to like bounce back from all of this and everyone kept saying to him well we could never do what you've done like this mindset that you've got is incredible and he was one of my partner's like childhood heroes. So we'd gone to go and watch him speak. And I was like, you know what? It's a cool story. You're much braver than I am. I would not be doing that on a mountain bike. And then actually he said, you know what though? Everybody says this. I, I couldn't do what you've done. You've done incredible things. And he said, you know what? The hardest thing that ever happened for me in my life was losing my mom. And he said, the reality is that each and every one of you in this audience at some point are probably going to lose someone. Yet you all think that you've not got something in you to go through doing what I'd done which is the glamorous thing I've got on stage of having gone from being a trials rider to being paraplegic and finding this new route a new career and he said all of you like at some point are going to lose somebody and there's so many of you in the audience that are going to have lost somebody that are kind of either feeling like it's not been a difficult thing to navigate or feeling like you've not handled it correctly and I've done this big thing but this was bigger and obviously at this point I've got tears streaming down my face and we go and see him afterwards my partner's seen his childhood hero and it's like you're amazing and I'm there 
bawling my eyes out. And he's like, how did I make her cry so much? She's like, she'll tell you in a minute. But I just love that piece of just remembering there's so many people out there that are navigating this in their own way that almost feel like forgotten. So I, I really hope mm. that this helps people feel a bit less forgotten. And maybe those that haven't experienced it yet to just like Heidi said, just be a normal friend, check in. Like, let's keep those things going, even at the, the trickier times. I think my message would be you're not broken and you are seen and you have a space. And that's what we're hoping to offer to anybody listening. That You can talk and you will find people and you really are not alone. The problem is people don't talk about it. So you don't know who you're sat next to who has lost somebody or is navigating their own grieving process and mm. yeah so true Heidi isn't it and yeah also realizing like it doesn't have to stop us it's still going to pop up at, at points and we're all going to navigate it differently and like Heidi said we're it's not a condition that needs fixing it's not an illness there might be times where we need downtime there might everybody's different but actually just leaning in and being a bit compassionate to ourselves, use our support systems and let's normalize making grief a bit more of a conversation because like you said, it's a natural process. It's going to happen. It's going to be different for each of us, but so often it becomes this point of, I don't really know what to say or don't post yourself doing this or there's something wrong with you for having a moment of crying because there's not. So I really hope that's that's come to light today I feel like it has I think we've had some really beautiful conversations here I've loved it today I love this conversation has anyone got anything else to add you know lastly I think I'd add that because I hope that there's some vet students that will be listening to this to know mm -hmm. that I am working on changes and I really hope that the bereaved vet student support group is up and running in Liverpool very soon and that this can become something across all the different vet schools and have that network and to have that space. Um, because I think that's really important going into the profession, knowing that it is something we're always going to navigate and it sets us up a bit better, I think. And hopefully within the profession, we do see changes in very different. There's so many different things that do need to change and we're going to be part of that change. Yeah. amazing no thank, thank you guys for coming on today um you know it's been an emotional one <laughs> um but I'm really glad that we've done it it's taken us a lot of courage to come on today and be as vulnerable as we have been um but there's nothing wrong in that but uh yeah no I've really enjoyed it today and and getting those things across and I hope that it's helped someone listening um I really do. But if you need us, we have got our Instagrams, which I'll put the handles on the uh, show notes and any other supportive um, pages that you can visit, websites. I'll I'll pop them all on as well. Um, so you can direct yourself to there if you need any help. Um, but you can always message us if you need to about anything. So, yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you very much for having me on today. Oh, thank you, Ellie. That was lovely. Thank you for holding space for such important conversations.